Well, we are finishing um, a short series on joy. Last few weeks, we've been talking about joy and experiencing joy. And we started two weeks ago talking about anticipation and also how God forms us along the way uh, and that he works in us to remove things that will rob us of our joy and how we embrace that. Last week, we looked at the incredible life of the Apostle Paul and just did a sketch of his life and some of his words with one of his letters, uh, often labeled a letter of joy, which is the letter of the Philippians. And so we, we looked at that, the why and how of joy. By the way, if you, if you didn't catch that last week, um, I really encourage you to either listen to it or pass it on to a friend. It, it seemed like uh, something in Paul's life and, uh, and part of uh, Philippians just struck a chord with people. And so I think that could be a great way to just introduce people to, to, um, to how to discover joy and why that's possible. And so you can do that through our website as well. But here, here's the question. How, like, if that's true, how does joy continue to grow? Uh, how do we continue to grow in joy? How do we continue to experience joy? Uh, for the last two years now, last year for the first time, uh, I didn't grow up having uh, necessarily having a Christmas tree in my house, and and even when we were married, we were like really simple on on you know what we how we decorated and stuff. And then our a neighbor about seven years ago, I think, just they were moving away and they gave us like one of those plastic Christmas trees, and so we used it for several years, and then uh, it got really dusty, and they probably had it for ten years already. So we were using maybe a twenty year old tree or something like that. Who knows? Uh, and then last year we said, you know what? Let's scrap this. Let's get like let's buy a real tree. So we bought a real tree last year, and this year we did that again. And we bought it here in DDO at Marche de l'Ouest. And uh, it's, it's, it's a fun experience to go and look at, you know, get a real tree and stick it on your car. And, and there's something beautiful about Christmas trees is that you can, you know, when you get them home and, and slowly, if you buy a real tree, it slowly has to kind of get into position because it, you get it squished. <laughs> and then you got to make sure you're watering it and things like that. And and as much, then you take that tree and then you decorate it and you make it look nice and you personalize it. And, and uh, maybe if you have kids, your kids get involved. Or if not, you know, you just work out ways to, to, to see how that looks. But, you know, as nice as it looks in the moment, uh, eventually it will wilt, right? Eventually it will get old. It won't produce anything. And there's, there's a difference between a Christmas tree that you cut and bring into your home and a fruit tree. The difference is that a Christmas tree, you work hard at making it look nice but, and making it look like there's stuff hanging from it. But a fruit tree is so different because a fruit tree, it's planted in the ground and you really don't do much to it besides prune it every once in a while. And then in the spring, fruit grows. And then in the summer, you enjoy the fruit. And there's something so different about those two kinds of trees. One that you work hard at making it look good and setting it up. And one that you just, you take care of, but you see fruit grow naturally from the branches. And I want you to just have that image in your mind as we end this series on joy. And I want us to take us to, to another uh, letter of uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, Galatians chapter 5. And... Um, this incredible portion of this, this letter that he writes again to this church in a town called Galatia in the first century, and, and he writes to them about fruit. And he talks about it as the fruit of the Spirit. And you, you can find it in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 26. But here's, here's just um, verse 16 to 18. We'll read it together. And this is Paul's words to this church. And he says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the, fre- to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so, they, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under law. Here Paul introduces this idea of living a life that's led by the spirit, living by the spirit, and having a life that's sourced in the spirit. And then he goes on, we're not going to read that part, but he goes on to, to contrast the works of the flesh of yourself or a sinful nature and the fruit of the spirit. And then he talks about the fruit of the spirit and he says this. He says, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law those who belong to jesus christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires and since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit let us not become conceited provoking and envying each other just pause and pray for a moment god as we read this we invite you um, to do your your own work your work of the spirit in us um, we long for even spiritual fruit right now as we walk through this. And we long for you to be at work in us, God. And so we just say welcome to you to have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, reading this, if, if you're not familiar with the scriptures, reading something like this kind of seems odd to put in all these metaphors, works of the flesh, fruit of the spirit, uh, and all that kind of stuff. You're like, what kind of fruit? How does that work? Uh, and yet here's Paul writing to this, this group of believers in the first century that are following Jesus already, and he's reminding them about something that is so central to what it means to trust Christ. He's reminding them about something that's so central of what it means to follow Jesus and what happens in us when we follow Jesus. And part of the essence of that is you don't need to necessarily decorate yourself. You're not like a Christmas tree that you got to put ornaments on you and hang stuff from you to make you look like you're something that you're not. The essence of it is that there's something transformational that goes on inside of someone who puts their trust in Christ. And what Paul calls calls it, he calls it the fruit of the Spirit. That fruit grows in an individual's life when they put their trust in Christ. And then Paul makes this claim that this is true, not just possible, but true in someone's life who believes in Jesus and follows him. Uh, The New Testament claims that when someone comes into a relationship with Jesus, God puts his very own spirit in them, and his spirit begins to work in them. And so Paul compares these two ideas, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. And, And Paul, it was really simple because Paul just wanted us to realize one is our own works, and one is the fruit of the spirit, which is the work of the spirit in us. The, the works of the flesh is, is things that we do according to our own nature, and at times they're sinful. And the fruit of the Spirit is the work of the Spirit in us of what God is doing. At face value, we can understand this big difference. Work versus fruit. Hanging up an ornament on a Christmas tree versus, wow, this pear showed up. How amazing is this? Right? It's, it's two different images altogether. Flesh versus spirit. Work versus fruit. And one is all on my own effort. And the other one is a combination of God doing something in me and me responding to what God is doing in me. So when we bring this to joy and what we've been talking about for a few weeks, when we consider what kind of joy we're looking for, my bet is, my hunch is this for each and every one of us, 
that we long for a joy that's not manufactured, but a joy that works from within us. I bet that we long for a joy that's not manufactured, that's not just decor. And as you read this list that Paul gives us, and it's not a comprehensive list, it's not like there's only nine things that God does in someone's life when he trusts in them, when we trust in him, but it's this list of love and joy and peace and patience and self-control and kindness and goodness. You know, none of this would be attractive if it was forced, you know? If I met Bethany here and she just comes to me and she shakes my hand, I'm like, thanks for greeting me this morning. She's like, well, my parents kind of told me to come say hi to you, Dave. And so, like, that would not feel like, wow, thanks, Beth, that was awesome, I love that. No, it would just be like, okay, well, I guess I'll go thank your parents for that. But, you know what I mean? And it, it wouldn't feel like that. I, w- I was eating lunch with someone the other day, and uh, I had, I had uh, picked up a book for him just because I saw it. And then at the end of lunch, he ended up paying for me. And I, and I have a heart, you know, it's hard. Oh, no, no, you don't have to pay. We were just, we were just going to get together and we were going Dutch on this. It's fine. Like, and like, no, no. And I'm like, well, is it because I bought you the book? And, and it, was, it was funny because, and he said, well, of course not. I just wanted to pay for you. Part of me was thinking that kind of like, why are you really doing this, you know? And uh, it, it's interesting, right? I mean, if, if you're married and, and your spouse says, why do you love me? And you say, because I have to. Does, you know, Right? And if you're with a friend and they say, thanks so much for lunch, and they say, well, you know, my mom told me to, 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 to not be greedy today, so I'm just trying to practice that, so you're just in my experiment. Like, it, it wouldn't feel the same way when it's manufactured. And this fruit that Paul talks about, in fact, when we talk about joy, joy is part of that fruit. It comes from a life connected to Jesus because God's very own spirit comes to dwell inside of us. That's part of what that means. Just listen to a few things from the New Testament. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. I love what, what Paul says here in this letter. If you got it up there, we'll read it. There it is. May the God of hope, look at this, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that an amazing promise? Here he says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. There's this description in Acts chapter 13, 52 of the disciples and it basically says the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. This is a, a description of what a disciple of Jesus experiences. They're filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. There's something synonymous or together about that connected with the Spirit living in someone and experiencing joy. In Acts chapter 16, there's an account of, of actually a jailer uh, becoming a believer, starting to follow Jesus. And, and as the writer describes this jailer who becomes a follower of Christ, this is the description. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. Of course, there was this joy of, of experiencing God. There was this joy of, oh, wow, I found what I've been looking for. I found Jesus. I'm putting my trust in him. But then there's this connection with when, when we put our trust in Christ and his spirit lives in us, joy grows out of that. And so we see this. It's central to the New Testament. So we go back to Galatians chapter 5 and the fruit of the spirit and what Paul is getting at. And he's, he's trying to tell us, he says, when you are filled with the spirit, when, you're, when you live by the spirit, when you're led by the spirit, something beautiful happens inside of you. God's spirit works in you and it overflows and fruit starts to grow. And one of, that, one of the fruit is joy. 
N.T. Wright says this about when we come to know Christ. He says, through the announcement of the gospel of Jesus, God's spirit goes to work and people are renewed. Through the announcement of the gospel of Jesus, God's spirit goes to work. It's his work. And people are renewed. And one of the results is joy. One of the results is joy. To grow in joy is to receive it as a gift in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's these two words in, in New Testament Greek that sound very similar, and I'm going to come back to it at the end, but it's the word joy is actually the word kara, and the word gift, grace is actually the word charis. And charis is often the word for gift. And so you have these two words that are so close together, it's really neat how that works, but I love how they're so closely re- related. It's like the kind of joy that truly will satisfy someone is the kind of joy that only comes as a gift as the fruit of the Spirit begins to grow. And so how does that work in us? So this is how we could, we could potentially start to think, th- think this through. One of the, just to think about this, this works in us by receiving it, by receiving God's Spirit. When we come to Christ and we say, we, I put my trust in you, even daily when we just say, Lord, I just welcome you today. You know, as when our team prays before the gathering, often on a Sunday, one of the words that I end up feeling like I, I use often is just the word welcome. God, we welcome you. Just w- wake us up to what you're doing. Because we, wanna re- we, we want, you know, we know that you're already at work, but we just want to welcome you. We, we want you to know that you're invited to do whatever you want in us. And so this first idea of the fruit of joy is, is receiving it or receiving God's spirit. The spirit produces this inward character in us that manifests itself as fruit. And one of those is joy. The spirit brings about God's very character. In us. So when God fills us with the spirit, his character starts to get shaped in us. And the character of Jesus starts to get shaped in us. And so as we, as we receive God's spirit, what's happening is that his joy grows inside of us. Why? Because God is joy. Because part of Jesus' characteristic is joy. And so his fruit starts to grow in us because it's in his DNA. It's who he is. And so if he indwells us, what is in us then will come out as fruit. So we receive it as we receive the Holy Spirit, and then we allow him to produce it in us. This one writer on the New Testament, his name is Gordon Fee, he says, spirituality without the Holy Spirit becomes a feeble human project. So just replace spirituality with joy. Joy without the Holy Spirit becomes a feeble human project. Joy without the Holy Spirit becomes our attempt But what Paul is getting at, what we're longing for, is what God wants to do in us and through us and then out of us. But it's not just meant to be passive. It's not just like, okay, I receive it. There's something about nurturing it. And if you've ever had a tree or you've ever grown things, you know that it does incredible work under the surface that you have no idea what's going on. But you need to nurture it, right? You don't neglect it. You nurture it. And I think it's similar with God's spirit at work in us. And so Paul, throughout this short little passage, four little words that he uses that I think really comes out to us well. And he says, live by the spirit. He says, be led by the spirit. He says, keep in step with the spirit. And then he uses this other word. He says, walk with the spirit. Paul is is encouraging us. Yes, yeah, receive the Holy Spirit. It's automatic. As you trust in Christ, God's spirit works in you. But live by the spirit. Be led by the spirit. 
Keep in step with the Spirit. Walk with the Spirit. There's this intentionality of aligning our lives with what God is doing inside of us. So it's great just to say, oh God, it's awesome that I put my trust in you and you're, you know, I know you live within me. But then what Paul is saying is work alongside what God is doing in you. Live it. Allow Him to lead you. And the reason is, is because I haven't arrived. I don't think any of us here have arrived. I mean, some of you maybe have arrived more than I'm arrived, but none of us have fully arrived. And so God continues to work and we need to continue to respond to what he's doing in us. So here's a few ways we can nurture it. First is nurture it by just paying attention. What is God up to? What is, how is he convicting me? How is he leading me? Um, what is he reminding me of? That's what it means to be led by the Spirit. That's what it means to, to walk with the Spirit. It's an act of surrender. It's an act of, oh God, I, I, I sense what you're doing in me. I want to align my life to what I sense you're doing. And if, when, we, when we don't pay attention, we'll never be able to even get close to what he wants us to do. The other way to nurture is to prune things that rob you of his joy. So Paul says, keep in step with the Spirit, which means if, I'm wa- if, if this is the path that the Spirit is leading me on, but I, come, I, I walk this way or I walk this way, what Paul is saying, he's like, hey, if the Spirit's leading this way, you know, and you guys see the green, the green tiles on the floor, it's like, just keep in step. If the green tiles are the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. So I'm going to like follow this is getting hard, but you know, it's like follow the green tiles. If, if the spirit is working in us and he's leading us and we want to live by him, then Paul says, keep in step with him in a sense, just where is he leading? And sometimes that means pruning things. Sometimes that means, Oh, okay. I want to align myself with, with what God is doing. And the reason is God has a, a much better version of me than I could have imagined. God has so much more in store for me than I could conjure up on myself. God wants to work in my character in so many ways that my manufacturing decor will never be able to accomplish. And so as we do that, we change and we grow and we become, and there's freedom in that because I'm no longer trying so hard to just do something or become something. I'm keeping in step with the Spirit and saying, Lord, you're at work here. I want to I walk with you. And the other way we nurture is we water. We water, just like we water a tree, we water the dependence we have on the Spirit. Daily, we just say, Lord, I I surrender to you. We water that when we sense God leading us in some way, we say, you know what, I'm going to try that. God's leading me in this way. I'm going to risk that. Or or maybe I'm going to prune that. Maybe it's through prayer. Maybe it's through solitude. Maybe it's through how we've worshipped this morning. Maybe it's through spending some time just quietly with the scriptures and saying, Lord, I would just welcome whatever you want to tell me. And you water what the Spirit is doing. You water dependence on the Holy Spirit. The funny thing is you don't water fruit, right? If you have a tree, you don't go spray the apples. That would kind of be weird, right? No, you spray the ground. So you, you nurture the connection. You don't, nur- you don't just spray the fruit, you spray the ground. Because the ground is where the relationship is. The ground is where the source is from. We'd be, it'd be really silly for us just to spray all the vegetables and fruit. No, we always go to the source. And so when we water the dependence of the Spirit, we water our relationship with Jesus. And then we water that source and it grows. And our relationship grows and fruit grows out of that. And here's the point of all this. Is that our lives from the inside out will begin to reflect joy. Because what is on the inside and what God is doing in us will then be expressed. What's brewing in us by God's very power 
boils over into our life and into our actions and into our relationships. What's living and active inside of us will affect everything on the outside. It will affect our rest. It will affect our relationships. It will affect our challenges. It will, af- it will affect the, s- the successes and the struggles we have. It will affect our perspective. Because if we just continue to nurture what's on the inside, God's spirit in us, it will come out. Joy will be one of those fruit. I love this one quote from actually an abbot. An abbot is someone who directs a monastery. Their name was Columba Marmion. But this quote, I think, just sums it up for me. Joy is the echo of God's spirit in us. Joy is the echo of God's spirit in us. That when we experience joy, we live joy, we pursue joy, it's echoing what God is doing on the inside by the power of his spirit. Joy is the echo of God's spirit in us. And so it's, we nurture that in us. We receive it, we nurture it, and then we watch the echo of that out in our lives. Sometimes we're going to experience that joy in some of the most difficult times and we're wondering, where did that come from? That's the echo of God's spirit in us. Sometimes we're going to experience that joy when a success would have us feel so great, but we know that it, it just, that amazing feeling dropped right after, like three minutes later. And then, oh, where, where's this joy coming from? It wasn't just from the success, it's from the echo of God's spirit in us. That's how we understand contentment, like we talked about last week. So that's in us. But then, just for a brief moment, think about this. If this is so true, it's going to be from us too. It's not just in us, it's going to come out. If God's joy is in you, it's bigger than you, and other people will experience it. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this short phrase, scatter joy. I love that phrase. Just scatter joy. Just be someone who scatters joy around and blesses people and blesses them with joy. I was sitting and talking with Sam McClough. He's doing, our, he's doing sound today. And uh, many of you don't know this about Sam, but Sam knows how to build a, a real igloo. Like he, he's legit. Like he slept in it uh, in a parking lot in Toronto. And uh, he's built it and everything. And so, so he knows how to do it. And so Sam, Sam is building one now. And he's so persistent. He's asked the city of DDO, the city of Pointe Claire, business people, can I do it on your lot? And finally, the city of Pierrefonds, which seems to be the easiest to work with, I guess, said, you know what, whatever. If you're a responsible citizen, build an igloo on the lot of your apartment building. And his apartment owner said, great, do it. And so he's in the middle of building an igloo. And, and now, what does this have to do with scattering joy? But one second here. So, so he's, but this is a cool thing. One of the reasons he's done this in the past and why he wants to do it now is, one, for people to experience, just experience what it means to hang out inside an igloo. And also, as they would maybe buy maple syrup or things like that, all that money would then go to, uh, to support a food bank here in the area or something along those lines. And so there's this, even in this, you know, so I can build an igloo, there's this scattering of joy. As joy is in us and grows in us, it, it's an outflow then that, that people can see it and experience it and understand it and get a glimpse of it. And then we can point them to the beauty and the source of real joy, of real joy. And as great as Sam's igloo is, I think, by the way, he needs some help. So if you want to help him out, 
Uh, he needs uh, recycling bins from Walmart. They're five bucks. And uh, he needs some help and labor just to kind of cap it off the top. And then you'll learn how to build an igloo. And maybe you can sleep in it overnight with a heater in it. It does work, apparently. Apparently you can do that. Anyways, you talk to him. He knows. Now, the cool thing, the, the thing about an igloo or anything like that is, is it is fun. But, you know, that does melt. And the joy in that moment, you know, could maybe just kind of eventually melt away or it was a good experience. And think about that for a second because we can get so caught up in the pleasure of things and miss out on the joy that God wants to put in our hearts. C.S. Lewis, uh, someone recently found a lost letter and someone in our church emailed me the link about this and, he, and someone bought a book uh, from him and then ended up opening up one of the sections and found a letter that no one has ever found from C.S. Lewis and it was written to a lady named Mrs. Ellis and, uh, and now this letter is selling or auctioning off for three or $4,000 or something like that because it's a legitimate C.S. Lewis letter. If you don't know who C.S. Lewis is, he wrote The Chronicles of Narnia, Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe, Mere Christianity, things like that. And so classic, uh, in, in classic literature. But he describes in this letter uh, to, this, to this lady, he says, things are going well. But then he says, but don't be deceived. He says, things are going well, but I don't want to equal my things going well with joy because that, that's just an, that can just be an illusion of security. So what he says. He says, things are going okay right now, but I don't want you to be confused or equal this with joy because that can just be an illusion of security. And then he says in this letter, he says, one second of joy for me is equal to 12 days of pleasure. Wow. One second of joy is equal to 12 days of pleasure. And he gives an example, and he uses the metaphor of experiencing an amazing piece of music. And he says, disappointment with a musical piece is this. You expected joy, and you only got pleasure. And you can just insert anything else, like replace musical piece with whatever gives you pleasure. Replace musical piece with whatever it is, a movie, adventure, concert, sex, uh, climbing a mountain, doing whatever. Just, just replace that and then think of Lewis's words. Disappointment with this. You expected joy, but only got pleasure. And he says there's only one common thing that joy has with happiness. You want more of it. You want more happiness and you want more joy. But they're not the same thing. And then this is the best line in this. He says, I doubt whether anyone who has tasted joy would ever, if both were in his power, exchange it for all the pleasures in the... Sorry, let me start that over again. I doubt whether anyone who has tasted joy would ever, if both were in his power, exchange it for all the pleasures in the world. Because there's this difference about what we can manufacture, what's in our power, compared to the work of the Spirit and the fruit that the Spirit wants to grow in us. And so our desire, even as we end this series, as we, it's not just about Christmas. It's about life. It's about what God's Spirit wants to do in us on a regular basis. What He wants to grow in us and build in us and overflow from us. This desire to experience joy, not the illusion of security, not the illusion of temporary pleasure, not the illusion of whatever, but a true experience of joy. And so I want to close just thinking about those two words that I mentioned earlier, joy and grace. And in the Greek, they look so similar, kara and charis. Just, they sound similar too. They come from that same root, kara and charis. Thank you, from a Greek person. And so, 
And just think about that for a moment. These two words connected. Kara is the response to charis. It's not necessarily the other way around. There's fruit, the fruit of grace. Joy comes from grace. Receive charis and you'll get kara. Receive grace and you'll get joy. They're linked together. And so when I so think about that, we often pursue the fruit and God is saying, no, pursue grace. Pursue me. Pursue the work of my spirit in you. So thinking back to this tree that we bought at Marche de l'Ouest, uh, it smells amazing, especially the first 10 days. And in fact, the other day I was at Marche de l'Ouest for a different reason, and I walked through the Christmas tree run again. And I mean, the smell is just so fresh, so beautiful, you know, as you're walking through. But when we got that tree, um, at least for a week, we had to put, I don't know, eight cups of water just constantly constantly would just drink up the water it was dying to drink this tree and uh and we just had to keep you know giving it water and what we understood was i mean this tree is great and beautiful as it is is disconnected from the source it's not going to last i mean if i keep it till march it's not going to look great in my living room anymore and it's not it definitely it's already starting not to smell nice anymore it doesn't smell bad but it just doesn't smell like anything and so Slowly that starts to dissipate because it's not connected to the source. And so when we think about this, this tree will eventually die because it's, it needs to be in the ground connected to a constant life stream. That's where it needs to be. And so when we think about joy and as we come to the end of this short series and even jump into this Christmas week and into the new year, the longing in our hearts is for Jesus. It's to trust in Jesus. If we want to experience joy, we must be rooted at the source. We can't just kind of be, we can't pretend that we're going to be cut off from the source, put somewhere, and just decorate ourselves and feel good. No, we need to be connected to the source. I'm going to ask you to stand as we close today. And I want us to just, just pause for a moment and just reflect on that. Just like, you know, that tree will eventually die in wilt without being connected to the source. We will not experience the kind of joy that God longs for us if we are not sourced in Jesus and in the power of His Spirit. And so, for some of us, maybe we've just gotten distracted and we can try and pursue that in other ways. Maybe for some of us, we aren't connected. We haven't put our trust in Christ. Yet we long for the fruit. We long for the fruit. We're like, I wish, I want that. I want to feel this. I, I don't want just 12 hours of pleasure. I'd rather have even a second of joy like C.S. Lewis described it. But the only way to have that is through trusting in Christ. So even as we walk into a week like this that I know is going to be filled with things that are, are, are a lot of it's good. I mean, some of us just might even be distracting. Let's just pause and just um, reroute ourselves in Jesus. Maybe for some of you, root yourselves in Jesus for the first time. For the first time, because as we put our trust in Him, God guaranteed He will pour His Spirit into you. And over time, you'll see fruit growing. Let's pray. And if that's, if that's you, and you, you need to maybe make that step for the first time, just pray with me at the beginning of this prayer. Jesus,
I long to trust you. I long to be connected to the source of true life. I admit I long for joy, I long for happiness, I long for peace, I long for goodness. But I'm unable to achieve that on my own. So I want to pursue you. And I put my trust in you and call you Lord. Renew my heart, my mind, by the power of your spirit. God, for those who have expressed that in their heart or with their words to you in this moment, we just, we are so, we just say thank you because you promise us. And we, we read bits and pieces of it in the early church as people put their trust in you or believed in you or discovered you or started following Jesus. You promised and fulfilled that, that your spirit would come and live within us. And we say thank you. We celebrate that. And may those who are making that step even today or in this season, may they experience this beautiful truth and promise that you are filling them with your spirit. You are building a relationship with them. They can be sourced in you. And God, for some of us that can, that can tend to walk off um, and sometimes just be drawn away from a moment of what we think will be pleasure or happiness. God, we long to nurture what you've already promised us and given us, and that's the power of your spirit in us. So we just, we, we claim this truth in a fresh way today. We say thank you for it as well, because we know you're already at work. May we pay attention to the work of your spirit in us. May we nurture the work of your spirit in us. May we, may we even, Lord, give us discernment to prune the things from our lives that are robbing us or maybe taking us away from noticing what you are doing. Give us courage, God, to follow you and trust you in ways that might even seem risky in our world, but we know that as we are continually rooted in you, Lord, fruit will continue to grow in us. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. And God, as we come back Tuesday, and I just want to collectively pray for friends and family that are invited. I know many who have done that. And so we just pause right now, and we ask you, Lord, your spirit's at work. You're out there working. And I just, I pray, God, um, for the invites that are going out. I pray for receptive hearts. I pray that we have an opportunity to celebrate and revel in the incredible beauty of the incarnation and what that means. And that we would just trust you to do your work in people's hearts. Um, be with our teams and others that are preparing for Tuesday. Um, we trust, God, that you're, you're just going to do something wonderful. And we pray for some maybe who are even starting to travel today or tomorrow from our community. Bless them, protect them. We pray for uh, just a wonderful week that we can uh, revel in the beauty of Jesus and let that overflow into others around us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.